I'm Bruce McGregor. She is Chris McGregor. And today, Chris, we're joined by Father Frederick Miller. Uh, Father is a priest of the Archdiocese of Newark, New Jersey. Is also the chairman of the Department of Systematic Theology at Mount St. Mary Seminary in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Also has extensive parish experience and has spent nearly 20 years as a seminary professor and spiritual director. Also an author and well-known retreat master, Father, joining us today to talk about his new book called The Grace of Ours. Father, good morning and welcome to the program. A delight to have you with us. Good morning. Nice to be with you. Father Miller, this uh, book is extraordinary. I expected an autobiography of John Vianney, and I got more than that. It was This really is a book about the priesthood and the great grace that it bestows upon all of us. Uh-huh. That's why I wanted to write it. I wanted to uh, look at the priesthood through the lens of the life and the charismatic gifts of John Vianney, but in a special way to highlight the um, the great gift and grace of the Catholic priesthood. Let's talk about how you start the book. You point out right up front that a relationship with John Vianney and your prayer life wasn't exactly in the forefront of your priesthood originally. It came about within the last few years. Well, you know, I've been a priest for 37 years, and we were formed with an understanding of St. John Vianney as the patron of parish priests. I was ordained a parish priest. I never thought I'd do anything but parish work. But I just didn't find him attractive. I found St. Philip Neri, for instance, more attractive. Mm-hmm. And uh, I read a lot about St. Philip, thought a lot about him, prayed a lot about him, and John Vianney was there, but he was in the background. Oh, and you know, a long time ago, maybe 20 years ago, 18 years ago, I went to ours, and uh, just for maybe an hour, uh, on a trip to another place, and the place struck me. I was sort of riveted by the little church, the poor poverty of the church, and I was very much taken with the um, his confessional, where he spent 12, 15 hours a day hearing confessions, his catechetical desk, where he always taught catechism almost every day of the year, mm-hmm. um, the statue shrine to Our Lady, that he, he had the beautiful statue of Our Lady, there's a heart hanging around her neck, and he had written all the names of his parishioners and enclosed them in that heart uh, in an act of consecration to her. And, of course, the altar and the tabernacle. So when I went in that church then, I said, well, this is I see here now all the essential elements of the priesthood, all the things that um, through which Christ works in the life of the priest. But I didn't think much about it until I went back maybe six years ago, with a group of seminarians from the North American College to give them a retreat. And then I was really kind of blown away by the history of the life of John Vianney. His spirituality really is one that takes us to the heart, and in particular to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, through his love for Mary. It's a spirituality that for some may seem old, but it's it really, it's a new rebirth of that within the life of the priesthood, isn't there? Uh, well, certainly, I think God. Ra- whenever God raises up a saint and gives a saint such tremendous gifts, it's not just for the sake of that particular priest or those people in there, but it's for the whole Church. And I think John Vianney was raised up as a model of the essentials of the priesthood for our time. Mm-hmm. It- and we went to ours. It's amazing. When he was assigned there, the bishop told him, or the vicar general told him, there's not much love of God in that parish. It's your mission to put it there. 
and that whole program of his life. So when he went there, he first of all, he wanted to uh, visit the parishioners and get them to come back to church. French Revolution had just happened, and there was a massive apostasy from the church. Hardly anybody was coming, a handful, maybe a dozen. Mm-hmm. So he visited all the parishioners and invited them back, and then they were always able to find him in the church. When he wasn't visiting the parishioners or bringing communion to the sick, he was in the church praying, sitting in the confessional, waiting for people to come, and eventually people started coming, and then they never stopped. Wow. He is a great example. His family, his mother and father, are that great example of the home being the first seminary, that their witness and their perseverance and faith really was a model for him. Right. They, he came from a farm family. They, were, they weren't <laughs> indigent, but they were poor. And he was only a little child during the French Revolution. And they were juror priests at the parishes, priests who had compromised with the government. And the family recognized, <laughs> excuse me, that this was no longer the Catholic Church, uh, it was something new, it was a hybrid, and so <laughs> so they stopped going. And then there were priests who did not sign the um, oath to the government, who were underground priests, and they would come by night to celebrate Mass and hear confessions. So John B. really was raised in a church under persecution. He received his first Holy Communion, for instance, in a barn. Mm. So, um, you know, he, he grew up in with the witness of Catholic parents, an extraordinary witness of Catholic parents. As a matter of fact, the the biographies all say that it really is a miracle that the family wasn't arrested and martyred because of their fidelity to the Church, and they were even outspoken. Mm. Wow. They would end up raising a a priest who would, by the last few years of his life, as you chronicle, would have thousands of come to him in a weekly and monthly basis to, just to be able to experience not only the sacrament of reconciliation, but just to be able to have that catechetical type of teaching, whether in his homilies or just in their encounters with him. One of the things that I think about John Vianney is that God raised him up, among other reasons, to absolve the sins of the French Revolution, which were immense. I mean, there, were, there was an immense attack on the Church, thousands and thousands of faithful Catholics were martyred priests, religious bishops, and there was a complete rejection of Christian values, Christian morality. So I think one of the reasons God gave him such a powerful grace was to give pastoral care to those people who had betrayed the Church and betrayed Christ. You're listening to Spirit Mornings with Bruce and Chris McGregor here on the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. And this morning we're talking with Father Frederick Miller, author of the book, The Grace of Ours. Well, Father Miller, isn't it extraordinary, too, in that time in France, along with John Vianney, all of the little ones that the Spirit would speak into their hearts, I mean, whether it was St. Margaret Mary before that, but then also a little Bernadette in the mountains of Lourdes, and those who would come out to speak and would touch the hearts of so many, of tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of people. Right, well, God, when, you know, there's a crisis, God works through, especially through the little ones, and he does great things through uh, people that you would never expect him to choose. You know, during the same time period, there was um, St. Jean Jugan in France, in Brittany, 
that she founded the Little Sisters of the Poor to care for the aged who had no one to care for them. And it was like an avalanche of grace. And hundreds and thousands of girls eventually came to join her in this work, and the congregation spread all over the world, even in her lifetime. She was just canonized in October. Mm-hmm. Yeah, extraordinary charisms. And you spoke earlier about the charismatic nature of John Vianney's gifts. Could you elaborate on that? Well, I mean, certainly he had the gift of the priesthood. He had the priestly character, the indelible seal, which gave him the capacity to preach with the authority of Christ and to administer the grace of Christ through the sacraments and to be a shepherd of God's people. But over and above that, there was extraordinary gifts of prayer and penance. Uh, he really was heroic in the penance that he performed for his people. And also the charism of preaching. He had a real hard time in the seminary. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, he was let go of the seminary because of his academic problems. Uh, yet, once he was ordained, he continued to study. He realized how important it is to know the Catholic faith and the Catholic moral teaching, and he preached like the apostles. He was a fearless preacher, and he called people to faith, called people, many people back to faith, and he called everyone to conversion, to a deep conversion of life. And I think that his grace, there was a special grace of preaching, but also the grace of absolution, the grace of hearing confession. The people felt that Jesus was in him. They felt the love and the mercy of Jesus in him, and so they just wanted to unburden themselves. And one after the other came, every day, every week, every, you know, thousands a year. And they came from great distances. The strains on him must have been tremendous, and not just physically, but also emotionally. I can't imagine it, because the biographers all say that little church in ours is very cold and damp in the winter and very hot and stuffy in the summer. And when you hear confessions, it's obvious that you have to pay attention, you have to listen in a very deep way to what the person is saying, and that's emotionally taxing. It's draining. And so to do that, I can't imagine doing that for, you know, more than two or three hours at a time. He did it every day for at least 12 hours. He was so anchored in that priestly character, of that connection of being configured to Jesus Christ. That's the grace that, in that reception of that, that gave him the ability to do that. Right. You know, I, um, I teach the course here on the sacraments and also the course on holy orders, and there's a beautiful teaching about the character. Uh, when a man is ordained priest, he receives a configuration to Jesus Christ. And in other words, he spiritually resembles Jesus. And he can make, <clears throat> and does make Jesus present just by doing what he's meant to do. So the character uh, configures a man to Christ in Christ's headship over the Church, the character uh, disposes a man to do the work of Christ. It distinguishes him from those who aren't ordained, so in other words, it makes him 
the icon, the living icon, the living image of Jesus, the Good Shepherd in the Church, and it also obliges him to seek very deep gospel holiness because of the holy things that he does all the time for the people of God. And John Vianney is the model of that. I think, although people might not say it this way, but I think what they intuited when they saw him celebrating Mass, when they heard him preach, when they saw him bringing communion to the sick or tending to the dying or the poor, uh, when they went to confession to him, they realized that there was a real presence of Christ in him, loving them. Father, of course, you serve at Mount St. Mary Seminary in Emmitsburg, and I have been there, haven't you, throughout the years of crisis within the Church, but also the time of, of great renewal in the seminarians who are coming to respond to that great call that they're, that's been placed in their hearts. I mean, what type of movement are you seeing from what to what? Well, when I was a seminarian in the late 60s and early 70s, there was a great spirit of confusion about what to believe, um, great confusion about the image of the priest, uh, doctrinal confusion, and a great spirit of re- revolt. Everybody was um, revolting against something. Mm-hmm. That's gone now. The young men who come um, realize the that they have themselves been saved by Christ through the Church, through the sacraments, and they want to be instruments of that saving love of Jesus to others. So that confusion is gone. I mean, thank God now, in 2010, we have the Catechism of the Catholic Church. We have lots of wonderful direction from uh, Pope John Paul II and now from Pope Benedict XVI. And um, there's no confusion, there's clarity of thought, and the young men sincerely want to give themselves to Christ in a complete and radical way. I mean, that's not to say that there are problems, that's not to say that things are perfect, but I think there's a completely different climate at this point in time. There's also a great hope in the example of John Vianney when we look at, as you pointed out, his continuing desire to read, to learn, to uh-huh. continue to explore it, that for those who went through formation at the same time that you did in the seminary and are currently now serving as pastors, mature pastors in parishes throughout the country and throughout the world, that if they explore that same type of ongoing formation of the heart as well as the head, that they too can be brought into that relationship. Exactly. And I think lots of people who were ordained, lots of priests who were ordained um, when I was in that you know, say, 10-year span, they may have been very liberal when they were ordained, but I think a lot of them have worked their way through that, and especially through the example of recent popes and through the catechism. Uh, there's a, <coughs> excuse me, there's a great, much greater balance in, in the Church today, I think, than there was then. I mean, the whole society was fused in the 60s. Yeah, I love the chapter on the sacred alliance of the Blessed Virgin and the priest. Uh-huh. And you really, you can't dismiss her in any way, her role as that spouse of the Holy Spirit, but also that great intercessor for the priest. Yes. I, I say in that chapter, I explain how Our Lady 
by God's design, obtains for us our priestly vocation. And then she helps us to come to the goals of the priesthood, and then once we're priests, then she helps us through her intercession, through her motherly love, to do the work of Christ. And she makes that work very um, fruitful. John Vianney had a childlike and absolute confidence in Mary's power in his life. Again, you also help us to see him as an icon of the divine bridegroom of the Church. Mm-hmm. That's an extraordinary title for this a little man who would do extraordinary things with that great grace. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something that Pope John Paul II said that always sticks in my mind. He says, the greater the work that God wants to do, the weaker the instrument that he chooses. Mm-hmm. To show the power of his arm. And certainly John Vianney was uh, you know, very humble and very small in many ways. He didn't have a great intellect. He didn't have a great personality. From the pictures that we have of him, he certainly didn't have good looks. But he was completely dependent upon God, and he wanted to do something beautiful for God. And God used him then to become, as uh, John Paul II said, the peerless model of the priesthood. He is, again, such a wonderful example, not only for priesthood, but for uh, the laity as well, as far as how we are called to look upon our priests, not so much as our spiritual buddies or the our good friends that are at the church, but so much more. Well, you know, one of our lay teachers just this morning asked me, she just obtained a copy of the book, and she asked me, well, is there anything in this about the laity, and that's precisely the point that I made, that John Vianney helps all the members of the Church to understand that the priest is not holier just by virtue of his priesthood than the people, but the priest is set apart, he's consecrated and set apart to be a servant of the people, to be another Christ, to act as the person of Christ, and to be the shepherd of the people. So basically, the Church is always going to be numerically... um, The number of laity is going to be numerically much, much greater than the number of priests, and that's the way it should be. And the laity's vocation is to consecrate the world to Christ, first of all through family life, but also through work, various professions, by engagement in the society, by engagement in the political life of the country, And the priest's mission is to form the laity to exercise their their baptismal priesthood in the world and to consecrate the world to Christ. And there's a confusion today, because sometimes I think lay people believe the only way they can be holy is by sort of being little priests. Mm -hmm. Um, So the only way I can become holy is by being a lector or a Eucharistic minister or have some, quote, ministry in the... uh, in the Church. Certainly I'm not against any of those things. The Church certainly isn't. But that's not the primary way that lay people become holy and exercise their lay vocation. It's in the world. It's the consecration of the world to Christ, and especially the consecration of family life to Him. It is extraordinary when I hear folks sometimes 
when we talk about a year of the priesthood or just the role of the priest in the diocese or in our in the life of the church as um, being configured to Christ, that somehow that's an we're exalting them, or that that is almost pride-filled. But then when you look at the life of John Vianney, in which the parish priest, it, he's being called to model the curé of ours, it's all about humility. It's all about sacrifice. It's about becoming very little and just breaking open their hearts for their people. There's not an exaltation in the world of view that's occurring here. Exactly. You know what I like to tell students, seminarians, and I think this is very much the teaching of the Second Vatican Council. Uh, before the Council, it was common to go to the priest, Altair Christus, other Christ. And that's true, of course. But I think the Fathers wanted to make the point that everyone, by virtue of baptism and confirmation, is Altair Christus, is another Christ. And that the priest is called from among the holy people of God and consecrated to God in a new way to act in persona Christi, in the person of Christ, so that he sort of turned, he's taken from among the people, not raised above them, but turned towards them in service. And so Christ is going to exercise his ministry of preaching through the priest preaching. Christ is going to communicate the grace of his passion, death, and resurrection through the sacramental ministry of the priest, and Christ is going to continue to be the good shepherd of the flock through the pastoral care that the priest gives to to his people, so that everyone is another Christ. Everyone is sacred by virtue of the presence of Christ in him or her through baptism. The priest has a different title to holiness because he's set apart as the servant and shepherd of the whole flock of Christ. Mm, that's beautiful. Father Frederick Miller, the book, The Grace of Ours. I wish we had more time. I would like to uh, have any final thoughts on this work that you've done. Again, it's, it's so extraordinary because there are other books out there that will give you the life of John Vianney, who's been lifted up as the patron of this time in the, the year of the priesthood. But your book, Father, you help us to understand why he was brought forward is this great example. Yeah. I would like just to say one word. Uh, in a week, a week from today, I'm bringing 40 of our um, seminarians and a few of our faculty members to ours for another retreat. So I'd ask you to please keep that retreat in your prayers. Mm-hmm. We always end the retreat in ours by going to Paris Le Monial, where our Lord appeared to St. Margaret Mary and showed her his sacred heart. John Vianney always said the... Um, the priesthood is the love of the heart of Christ. So I, I can't think of any better way to end the retreat in ours than by getting on the bus and going to Pere Lamonial and celebrating Mass in the chapel of the apparition of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. A very powerful experience. Well, it's beautiful, Father. Again, thank you so much, Father Frederick Miller, and the book, The Grace of Ours. Could I ask for your priestly blessing for our audience? Certainly. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Through the intercession of St. John Marie Vianney, may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Miller. Thank you. Wonderful being with you.